And welcome back to uh, another episode of Geek 3 in general. Uh, of course, I am Al, and my guest today is Dawn. How are Hi. you doing today, Dawn? I am good. I'm healthy again. <laughs> well, that's good, because, uh, yes, I, re- I recall uh, from your Facebook posts and such that you were uh, feeling sick for a while, and I know when we did our last podcast, you also weren't feeling uh, 100%, but then again, it's winter in Wisconsin, so <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much that time of year here. Yeah, no, no, this is actually going to be the first, uh, the first, this is actually the first episode I'm recording in 2015, so happy belated new year. <laughs> you too. Any, uh, new year's resolutions, or not really into that kind of stuff? Um, I, I used to, and then now it's just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really, it's, it's another year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was this one, uh, good uh, picture I saw a friend of mine posted on Facebook. It had a picture of uh, Robert Downey Jr., of course, playing Tony Stark, and right. he was kind of rolling his eyes. He's like, uh, I guess it's time for that new year, new me crap. <laughs> so, my, uh, the only I tried to keep them, but my, my main one this year is I'm trying to get back into martial arts. So, I've been, I studied martial arts pretty religiously for about 12 years or so. Um, then kind of slacked off for the last few years. So that's my big thing to try to practice. And actually practiced some Kung Fu earlier today, so I'm proud of myself. Oh, good. But on to today's topic, which is cosplay and conventions. So yes. Dawn and I are going to be kind of addressing two different topics tonight. And the first one is Dawn is probably going to be doing most of the talking for this one because <laughs> it's a subject I really don't know a lot about. And I got the idea for doing this few months ago, my wife and I were just browsing through the channels, and we happened to see this show called Heroes of Cosplay. And occasionally, geek websites I go to will have uh, various cosplay pictures, so I figured, well, since it seems cosplay is a part of geek culture, um, I, if there is such a thing as geek culture, I'm sure there is, but since... uh. Cosplay is a part of geek culture. I figured that would be an interesting topic to cover. And since I'm not really too familiar with it, that's why I'm bringing in my uh, friend Dawn here, who is a, I don't know, would you consider yourself an expert on cosplay or just someone who likes to do it? I just like to do it. It's just fun. There are professional cosplayers, which is kind of a strange um, phenomenon for me. It seems like weird that there's a profession or like a professional sect to it. But for me, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. I see it at conventions. I participate in it. That's really where it is. So, Okay, and let's start with the first one. What is the difference between cosplay and just dressing up? I mean, I'm sure that there's probably people who think, well, cosplay, isn't that just getting on a costume? So is there any real... Well, as a as a cosplayer, is there any real difference that you see between cosplay and just getting dr- dressed up in a costume? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I guess, well, first of all, cosplay, it's like kind of a conglomeration of the words costume and play. So some people consider it more of like a performance art, if you think about it. And I don't know if you've, I don't know if any of the conventions you've been at have had any cosplayers at them, is you kind of take on the character. It's almost like you're role-playing and not um, role, R-O-L-L, but like yeah. taking on it like role, like you're, you're playing the character. So it's almost like you're, you're playing the character, but some people just pose for photos and things, but it's almost like a performance art kind of a thing with it. it you, it's more, it's heavier association with like a Japanese anime and manga and stuff, but it's really surged in like, I want to say the last 10 years with like the sci-fi and fantasy and comic communities. And um, the difference 
really that I see um, with like between cosplay and just dressing up is the dedication people put into it. I mean, people that are just dressing up for Halloween, for example, or a party that they go to, maybe put a couple weeks into it. Somebody that's doing cosplay is putting so much work into what they're doing, and it's so much dedication and so much um, love for what they're doing. It's it's really that they're really into different aspects of it. Some people are into it for um, the attention, obviously, like the photo shoots and the. Um, some people do it um, like uh, to help advertise certain things. Like there's the ones that do it for um, different comics, like they'll help advertise new characters and things at uh, some of the tables. But then there's the ones that are really into technical aspects of prop building and the costume making, which is kind of where I sit. Um, there's those that are showing their passion for a fandom or a character. Like, oh, I'm really into, like, the new Constantine show just started on NBC this year. So I'm sure there's going to be people that are really into that. So we're going to see some new John Constantines, like, really showing off their love for that fandom. So maybe they'll bring Hellblazer back. And... Um, and some people are just loving the community. They make some friends, so they start forming groups, and they do group cosplay, and it just becomes this whole little um, thing. You know, it's just it's it's different than just going to a party and throwing on something you bought at you know Goodwill or Halloween <laughs> Express. <laughs> That's cool because I mean a lot of the conventions I've been to, especially the larger ones, they do have a costume contest, uh, and actually at Oshkon a couple years ago, they had a costume contest, and I was actually one of the quote-unquote celebrity judges. Um, <laughs> in other words, the person who was organizing the the costume contest needed a couple of judges, so he pulled uh, myself and another one of the exhibitors there and uh, said that we were the celebrity judges. So, <laughs> so anyways, we so yeah, there were some interesting costumes, and it's interesting the detail you see. I mean, sometimes there are people that, yeah, they do put a lot of work into that, and you can tell. And then there's other people that they just kind of get some stuff on at Goodwill, or maybe they have some props from an old Halloween costume um, or whatnot, and they throw them together and you know make a costume with varying degrees of success, of course. So it's something I've definitely seen, but uh, when I first encountered it, I didn't, I wasn't aware that there was an actual name for it. I always thought it was just dressing up as cost in costume, which is why I wanted to ask, okay, what is the difference, or where would you draw the line between cosplay and just dressing up? And you brought up some points that I totally didn't consider, like uh, you know, helping advertise uh, a product or hoping that you know maybe if the you know someone sees well, how can I put this? If uh, like a company sees that there's a lot of people that are showing a love for maybe a TV show or a comic book character that's discontinued, maybe they'll bring it back. So let's go back a little bit. What got you interested in cosplay? Um, well, I just my love for all things geeky, for example. <laughs> I mean, um, I started just wanting to know how to sew and stuff a little bit more. And uh, wanting to make more elaborate costumes for Halloween. I mean, I always did costuming because I was into dance and theater. So I was always making stage costumes. And um, when I was working at the dance studio, I was making and altering dance costumes. So that stuff was always um, going on. Um, but uh, the first actual, I guess, semi-cosplay I would call was like a Ghostbusters costume I made. <laughs> Specifically, it was made for Halloween. Um, but I put a lot more effort into it than your average person would with um, a Halloween costume. I mean, I went to 
army navy surplus i found um the flight suit i would need to make the costume and i did it um i did they could they didn't have that um like off brown like beigeish color yeah. that they use in the movies so it's more of a real ghostbusters color like that navy blue that they use uh, in the yes. cartoon yeah and i had to get the patchwork and i had to make the patches that had like the name and i went through all of that and then i started getting the pieces from radio shack to make the pack the proton pack i mean i went through a lot of work just to make this for a costume contest at my work office and all i have left now at this point is the jumpsuit and i'm probably going to repurpose that for something else the flight suit but that is pretty much where i started and then i started meeting other people who were doing costuming and it, i didn't really know the word cosplay at that point to me it was just making fun costumes and mm-hmm. you know the internet this was early 2000 ish 2001 2002 so i was just kind of really kind of starting to find people that were really starting to get dedicated into that and i'm like oh this is kind of neat this is kind of fun i'm kind of enjoying this um i went to my first dragon con which is down in atlanta for people who don't know and i was like okay when i go to this i lord of the rings was popular the lord of the rings movies and i'm like i'm gonna do an elf cosplay just a generic elf Mm -hmm. cosplay so i already had i had long blonde hair then i don't know if you remember how long my hair used to be (laughs) and so i found um a brand of ears that that you can attach prosthetic ears tips to attach so i went and learned how to apply prosthetics properly and i had a dress and i had a beautiful cape that looked very you know it was just and i'm like i'm doing this and i had this whole and it was my first like official for convention cosplay and i went to lord of the rings event these tolkien events basically i went to the evening at brie party and all this stuff at dragon i fell in love with the cosplay community everybody was so friendly and if you had questions about hey how did you do that they were like oh i did this and this and i'm like this is amazing because i was learning new things so that's what it is like now and i was learning new techniques and challenging my skills and my love of fandoms and that's where i'm really getting into it so yeah, that's cool. I mean, especially how you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of people in that community that they're very helpful. And if you ask them questions or ask for tips or advice, they'll give it because occasionally you hear about some types of fandom or you know, communities where the people aren't always very receptive to, well, for lack of a better term, newbies. Right. Um, where, you know, like they see well, like we'll say a new person comes into their, their club or whatnot and they ask for advice on, you know, how they did something like, okay, model cars. Let's just use that as a, as an example. I'm not sure what type of a model car community there is, but I know there's people that, you know, like to build them. Uh, I could imagine if like someone went to a, a club where the people got together to work on model cars and you have a new person and someone, you know, he asked someone, okay, how do you, uh, you know, what type of primer, what type of paint do you recommend? And that person just told them, you know, get lost, noob. Yeah, I can see how that would be very discouraging. Um, so it is always nice when you do have that fandom where people are open. And it sounds like from your experience, that's what it's been. People are, you know, they're open. They're happy to help you with any questions you might have about cosplay. Yep, especially when you're looking at the amateur cosplayers, which are the majority. There's a few of the mm-hmm. professionals, 
um, which when we when I get to heroes of cosplay is what we'll talk about. But yeah. the amateur cosplayers, which is the majority, I mean, and there the thing is, if somebody's asking you what you did or what they like about what you did, it's it's a compliment. You're saying uh, they like what you did and they would like to know how you did it, so that maybe something inspires how they can do something in the future. Which is why everybody is so friendly. It's such there's no competition. There's no reason for competition. None of us are getting paid to do this. We're doing it because we love it and we want to make friends and have fun. Most of like Dragon Con is called Nerdy Gras. Everybody's getting drunk <laughs> and having a party. So, you know, it's just, it's having a good time and enjoying yourself and sharing your love of things. So there's no reason to be competitive. And that's where there's the difference between some other types of um, geekdom, for lack of a better term, um, because there's not the the inherent competition. I mean, even in the costume competitions, you don't see the vitriol that you do in other things. And that's because most of the time it's people are in it for fun Please, they're, they're, with their families. You know, if their kids are competing, they're doing it just for the fun to show up and have fun. And when it becomes about the competition is when you start seeing people get rude. So how long have you been doing cosplay? Um, for what I consider proper cosplay, I mean, if you want to go back to like the Ghostbusters when I was talking about, that was around 2001, so that'd be like 14-ish years. Um, if you want to do my first Dragon Con, like Lord of the Rings one that I put together, that was like, that was my first Dragon Con was 2005. So, let's see, it's 2015 now, so <laughs> nine, ten years. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. And well, what goes into the planning of making a costume for a cosplay event i mean do you do you just like kind of think hey i'd like to try doing a wonder woman costume so i'm going to try dressing as wonder woman or do they have like different themes like you know okay maybe a contest for people doing fantasy characters and another one for sci-fi another one for cyberpunk what makes you decide what you want to do for your costume what my in it depends what my interests are um I, thankfully, most of mine are done for Dragon Con, which is such a multimedia at this point event. I mean, you've got the people that are into the movies, and you've got like pretty much anything you're into. They've, there's a huge steampunk community, which is not for me at all. I, well, I'm considering doing a steampunk Deadpool, but that's <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be kind of cool. I mean, I I'm not an expert on steampunk, uh, but I know a lot of times it's I guess it's like Victorian science fiction, so. You know, usually any steampunk costume will usually have goggles and gears and yeah, well, uh, weird things like that. So I think that would be kind of interesting. Well, and you know who De you know Deadpool, but yes. the thing with the thing is, I have to get a Deadpool like I have to at least get the hood, and to find mm -hmm. a good one is where I've been struggling. That's the only reason I haven't done it yet. But my whole point was I was just gonna glue a bunch of like spray paint a bunch of crap brown and glue it to stuff, and have him have a sign, like the little cutout sign, like in the um, comics where he's talking and just says, "Oh I yeah." says I glued gears on it. <laughs> and I was just going to go and troll because that's what Deadpool does. Really, yeah, he's course. a troll. And I just haven't gotten around to it because I haven't found a proper hood that would work. So that's that's where that is. But and that's on my list of things I'd like to do in the future. <laughs> um, it, it's really, it's wherever my interests are. And I think of like for Dragon Con, do I want to go to one of the parties? Okay, are the parties themed? Some of them are. There's the Heroes and Villains Ball. Well, okay, last year the Heroes and Villains Ball, I'm going, I want to go to the Heroes and Villains Ball. But I don't have a superhero or a villain costume. I don't want to make one. What can I do? Well, I have an Edna Mode costume. 
that I used for Halloween a couple years ago, how can I improve it to make it Dragon Con worthy? Well, I ended up redoing the entire damn costume like a week and a half. And I'm not kidding. I redid the whole thing. I was just going to fix it. I ended up ripping it apart and starting from scratch a week and a half before the convention. It looks fantastic, but it was still, I mean, and that was, it was great. I stood in line for two hours to get into the party because why not? Mm-hmm. And we had more fun in line than we did at the party because that's <laughs> how it works for Dragon Con. And it was great. We had so much fun, but it, it's that, by the way, those are the parties are the only places you will see like dance battles between um, Harley Quinn and Deadpool. Wow. <laughs> so when, yeah. So uh, when, you do make a costume, you finally decided what you're going to do. Generally about how long does it take for you to make a costume? And I know this is probably uh, kind of a strange question because obviously there's simple costumes and elaborate costumes, right. but uh, generally about how long does it take and about how much money do you usually sink into one of your costumes? It depends. Um, like last year, my Professor Plum costume probably cost me about $100 from start to finish, and it was pretty easy because I just needed a suit. But I had to go and buy a suit, like a men's suit, but it had to fit me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was that, that was because I had to buy a men's suit that fit me and then tailor it. So that took some time. But and then I had to get a wig and I had to find a wig that was like a men's haircut wig. So that took a little bit of time ordering online, but about 100 bucks from start to finish. Now, my Hera costume from last year probably spent about seven months from start to finish on that because of all the props I had to build from scratch. Um, and I have detailed prop pictures and, and breakdowns of how I built them on my blog. Because <laughs> I've started doing that. I've started putting all my cosplay build stuff on my blog. So if people are interested in that, I can give the link later. But um, And that was, I don't even know how much that cost me from start to finish. Because I had to buy the PVC and all the foam. And there was paint and gesso and glue and all the fabric and trim and you just start buying things here and there because you're like, Oh shoot. I need more gesso. I'm out of gesso. Oh shoot. I need more Mod Podge. I'm out of this and I need more craft foam. And you know, yeah, and- <laughs> yeah and I, I believe that didn't you? Uh, Cause I remember your hair costume. Uh, I believe you posted up uh, some pictures of it on Facebook as you were making progress mm-hmm. on it. So, I mean, it is kind of interesting to see, you know, that whole start to finish process. Um, where people can see the different changes you've made and how what your how your progress is coming along. Oh my God, that pattern! Do you remember where I had to post the picture? And that's on my blog too, where yeah. I had to rewrite the whole pattern because it didn't fit properly. Oh, that was yeah. just, that took like a month and a half by itself was to redo the entire pattern. It was just a nightmare. But yeah, so that kind of stuff happens. And right now I'm working on. I planned this. I want to say November, and and the comic has only been out. We talked about it when I we did our one last the last time oh, I talked to you is that the wicked and divine. Okay, yes. Um, I'm planning an Amaterasu cost uh, cosplay, and it's her white dress from the first book that came out, the first issue. And I'm like, oh, but I'm putting it together, and her makeup is what's killing me. I've probably spent like sixty bucks on just the face <laughs> makeup that I'm working on putting together so far, not even counting the fabric and the pattern and everything. And that started. In December, I started buying things, and this is for a convention in September. So, <laughs> I mean, it's planning ahead, <laughs> always, always, it's never gonna stop. So, what goes on in a cosplay event? I mean, do they have like contests for like different skill levels, different categories? Well, uh, it depends on what if you're gonna compete or not. If you're competing, I don't compete. 
I may in the future. Right now, I don't want to. I, for me, it's just fun. Um, the majority, like when I go, most of the stuff I've been to conventions wise, people start the second they get there. They have something on. And some people bring multiple costumes. Like, multi, like uh, there are people I know that'll, if it's a four-day convention, I'll have seven or eight costumes that they change wow. into through the period of the, the event. Um, I try to limit myself to one per day. And maybe a party, one for a party at night. And that's it. Um, but if there's a parade, I usually do the parade. Um, yeah, I remember I, I saw pictures you post on Facebook. They had the, was it the Greek uh, Pantheon parade? And um, so they had people dressed up as various Greek gods. And, of course, this is where you had that Hera costume we were talking about. Well, that's my group. I'm part of the Greek mythology group. Um, we are a special costume group, um, specifically at Dragon Con. And, oh, okay. um, yeah, and it's the Greek mythology at Dragon Con is our Facebook group. We have a pretty large group prep for next year, so I'm kind of happy about that. I have a Zeus for next year because I'm going to do Hera again this year, 2015. And... Uh, it's we always march behind the Spartans from 300 every year, <laughs> which is such a hardship because it's such a hardship. Those guys have to work to be part of that group. They have like a workout and diet regimen. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they have all the like the sculpted abs. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I said it's such a hardship to march behind the Spartans and their hams. They do the <laughs> ah, ooh, and they do the, the poses and they're such hams. They're so much, but they're such nice guys. Anyone do that? This is Sparta! No, they didn't have a Leonidas, but they're still, they're really nice guys. They actually had a Xerxes two years ago who was fantastic. He looked fantastic. It was just like spot on. So it was, it, it's it's cool. But we're actually part of the main Dragon Con parade. You can That's see cool. the videos on YouTube. They're like two hours long. Oh, wow. On the, I think they're on the Dragon Con TV uh, YouTube channel. And you can see me in there if you watch for it. Yeah. <laughs> so the now let's move on to uh, we mentioned Hero of, of Cosplay. Uh, that's the show mm-hmm. I, I just caught like an episode of, and it made me it gave me the idea to do this show. Um, how would you how do you feel cosplay is pictured in popular culture? Uh, do you think they popular culture tries to portray it as something positive, something negative? Um, not you know neither uh, positive or negative and what do you think of that show, Heroes of Cosplay? Have you seen a few episodes of it? Or? Yeah, I saw a couple episodes and then I stopped. I here's the thing: it's it's and it's not that I thought I thought the show was going to be a different thing than it was. Um, what the, the problem isn't that I think that it's ruining it or anything like that. I think um, the notion of professional cosplayers is really kind of. I don't agree with it because you see people like Yaya Han who have, and they have tables at, at the, um, like the vendors areas and they're selling pictures of themselves in their cosplay and calendars and stuff. And I'm like, okay, wait. Um, and it's probably, it's basically ruined the fun part of competitions for a lot of people at these conventions because the amateurs who are doing it with their families for fun. I mean, just if you search online heroes for co- heroes of cosplay and then a name of a, like some conventions, you will see horror stories of people who are part of these competitions, like the comp, like the cosplay competitions that the sci-fi channel showed up at where the heroes crew was there and they took over the competitions and basically young children were sitting in the wings for 
hours waiting while people like Yaya and Chloe Dykstra were sitting and changing their costumes for hours. And sci-fi would do double t- do multiple takes so they could get their ready for the show. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. But That's okay, I can always beat that out. <laughs> <laughs> and these kids are waiting, and it'd be 10, 11, 12 o'clock, midnight, all this stuff. These little kids that would normally have long since finished the competition but Sci-Fi Channel needs their stuff for TV. And it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. just, it's made, it's soured it for a lot of people. Some of the cosplayer, the professional cosplayers are notoriously rude. Now, some people have said Yaya Han is very polite. I have never interacted with her myself, so I can't say for sure. I have seen her face-to-face. I've, I've walked next to her down down the hall at Dragon Con. Um, I have never spoken to her, so I can't actually say for sure whether she's a nice person or anything. I can't make that opinion, but I've heard people say that she's very rude, and I've heard some people say she's very nice, so I can't, but I've heard some really bad stories of some of the the heroes of cosplay people. Um, And I've heard some of these people also give propaganda, they've propagated that people should only cosplay their own body shape or their own race or their own gender, and it's really not doing anything good for the community. If anything, it's detrimental. So, you know. I I understand how how you can be frustrated about that. Um, You know, I mean, if you want to try doing a cosplay of Legolas or Gimli or uh, you know, Aragorn, what, you know, why not? Right. And, you know, I'm sure there's probably plenty of guys who do cosplay of female characters. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of sad how we were mentioning that, you know, these poor children had to wait for hours because of this TV show that's being made. Um, so, wow, that's, that's interesting. Cause like I said, I, I only caught one episode of it. So, uh, that's why I was kind of curious about what your opinion of the show was. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it seems that, yeah, even in the cosplay community, there's going to be some people who are uh, kind of rude. Well, and they manufactured drama. I mean, I heard, like, some of the stuff I saw in a couple of the episodes, it looked like some of the, like, amateurs were starting fights. But when you heard people talk about what actually happened backstage, it was just cut together to look like it was a oh, bigger yeah. deal than it was. And I'm like, of course it the was. The power of editing, yeah. Yep, of course and, it was, <laughs> you know. And I know, and it's all about the ratings. I mean, I know yeah. your husband, Scott. Uh, I've listened to one of the podcasts he uh, used to be on Lost in the Static, and I know that's one of the things that uh, he's mentioned since I believe Scott has several years' experience working in TV. And he said that, yeah, part of the problem is, you know, there was, they're after eyeballs. And uh, I remember once he was, we were talking, and he's like, yeah, if they're going to, like, if he had to go out in the field to find someone to interview because, let's say, a storm hit. You know, they're going to look for the lady in the bathrobe who lives in the trailer with, you know, a dozen cats um, who's going to seem all crazy because, well, unfortunately, that's going to attract more viewers than, you know, someone who seems normal. Um, so it is kind of sad how they do, you know, cut that together to try to make it seem like there was something going on when there really wasn't. But this brings us to the next topic I wanted to discuss with it, with uh, cosplay. One of the things I've seen on Facebook occasionally, usually it's a link to a website someone posts, but sexy cosplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we're trying, basically it's trying to make something that we usually don't see as sexy seem sexy, like, you know, sexy C-3PO or, um, you know, sexy Anakin Skywalker post-duel on Mustafar from Episode 3 or, you know, sexy Boba Fett, things like that. Uh, What is your take on the sexy cosplay um generally speaking i don't care and i think it it it, but 
and the reason I say generally speaking, as long as it's appropriate for the venue, um, meaning like you're not outside with just tape on your nipples and like a thong, <laughs> um, like the witch blade costume is, well, and she's mostly naked. <laughs> if you're familiar yeah. with witch blade, I mean, that yeah. one's a, a hard one. Cause she's, I, I, I understand, but it's mostly inappropriate for public really. <laughs> but so that's a good example of probably don't wear that down the street in Atlanta. Yeah, or, really. Or, or... Or save it for, like, if there's going to be, like, a special adults-only type event where maybe you can get away with being a little, um, a little suggestive. Right. Suggestive. But, I mean, appropriate for venue, age-appropriate. I don't really want to see somebody under 18 in anything super skimpy that makes me uncomfortable. I, even though I'm not looking at them in a sexual way, I feel like a pedophile. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and... It, it's if it's um the time of day like you know seven in the morning really I don't want to see that either because this <laughs> stuff goes on twenty four hours a day if yeah. it's if it's a like Dragon Con the host hotels are the convention so it it's not a convention center so stuff's going on all the time so it's like I don't want to see this going on all day I mean if you're out mostly naked in the early while well, I'm going down to get my coffee really no <laughs> so otherwise yeah. I don't care I really yeah. don't because it's no different it's a, an artistic take on something, regardless of what your take is, or is no different to me than taking a different theme on something else. Like, what's different than saying, I'm going to be steampunk Wonder Woman, or, you know, or um, we are Victorian, um, oh, let's see, let's say Victorian Disney princesses or something. You're <laughs> taking a theme. If you're going to make it sexy, a burlesque was a big one in the last couple of years. We are burlesque this and burlesque that. Well, that's a sexy version of something. It's, it's, but it's a specific style of sexy something. Burlesque has been a big deal in, in stylized, um, themed costumes lately. Um, and I don't, and it, there, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I have an issue, however, um, with women or men who are doing it to make a specific, like a feminist statement. Um, or as a clear cry for attention. Uh, as an example of that, um, and I'm probably going to get flack for this at some point, there was a woman walking around Dragon Con last year um, in a white bra and panty set from Victoria's Secret um, with wings, those big white angel yeah. wings, and she had a sign in her hand with the Instagram logo on it, that little camera, mm -hmm. and her name on it, her Instagram, her Instagram account name, so you could tag her in photos of her. That's a cry for attention. That is nothing else other than take pictures of me and tag me online. So that I have an really, issue with. <laughs> yeah. So there really wasn't much artistic uh, interpretation there. It's like, look at me. I'm walking around in underwear with uh, angel wings. Yep. That's tag that, me. Yep. That, and that's all she did. She didn't like, there was nothing else she did. She just sat around and posed with her Instagram sign. I'm like, okay, yeah. really? That's that yeah. I have an issue with. So, so, um, Sounds like you've been doing so. You've been doing cosplay for several years. Do you have any favorite uh, costumes that you've made, or any that uh, you know that you either really enjoyed working on, or ones that you're really proud of with how they turned out? I think for various degrees, I've been I've been proud of pretty much all of them. Um, my favorites, though, I, I was really proud of Hera last year. I mean, I see little flaws in it, but I'm still really proud of how that, especially the Lotus staff, I think turned out phenomenal. And the and my Polos, the crown. Though that prop work, I look at that and I go, I could not believe that I was able to pull that prop work out and do it. Especially since I went to Home Depot in the plumbing section and I'm looking around going, how am I going to make a modular staff to take in my little car to drive from Wisconsin to, a, to, to, to Georgia? And the guy was like, he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, oh no, this guy's going to laugh at me. 
And I tell him, and he gets excited. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so don't laugh at me. I need to make a staff, and I need it to come apart, but I need to be able to go to bed together and come apart easily. So I was like, and he's like, well, we can do PVC. He got so excited. He's like, I've been waiting for something like this to happen. (laughs) And I'm thinking, this is Home Depot in Bellevue, Wisconsin. I am so confused right now. Well, that's that's cool that he was very helpful, and he seemed to be really, as you said, he was excited to be yeah. able to help you out with that. Because, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever worked in retail? Yeah. Yeah, it's about time we get off topic for a minute or two, because, I mean, yeah, I've worked in retail as well. Um, I used to work at Sears uh, when I was back in high school in the paint department. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those, anything with hardware, sometimes it can be kind of hard to really get excited about it. Like, Hey, how would you like to buy a gallon of latex paint? I worked in a record shop from age 12 to 18. It was the family <laughs> business. My dad sold vinyl and all that. It was. They really was the family business. He did. He, my dad records. He's like a D-level celebrity. Like he, <laughs> people know him, like like Dick Dale and stuff. But and then I worked at Kohl's for a while. So yeah, I've done my time in <laughs> retail. At least, with, at least with the record store, though. I mean, that's something that you can get excited about. I mean, mm-hmm. like if, say, someone comes in and, you know, they're interested in checking out uh, an album by a band or a musician that you like, you know, again, that's something you can get excited. You can be like, oh, yeah, this is a game I really, you know, this is not a game. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, this is a band I really like. You know, what kind of, you know, do you like something more mellow? Do you like something more upbeat? Well, you know, here's an album there theirs that I really enjoyed. And here's some of the, the tracks I really like. So, yeah, that's something I can see where it, it is easy to get, well, it's possible to get excited, but, yeah, like I said, my experience working in paint, it's kind of hard to get excited about paintbrushes and uh, and uh, different types of paint. But, yeah. sorry, I had to get off topic. That's all right. Something that has to happen at least once in my show. So, let's move on to the second topic we're going to talk about, uh, conventions, um, because... I mean, what type of, what, well, what conventions have you been to? I know you've, of course, been to Dragon Con. Yep. You've mentioned that several times, uh, you know, because it's one that you, know, you really enjoy and you've done a lot of cosplay there. Have you been to any other conventions? I was at um, Star Trek conventions uh, back in the late, um, sometime in the 80s in Milwaukee. Um, when, so that was a while ago. And that, that was when uh, Next Gen started. So it had to be late 80s because I think Next Gen started in 86, 87. Mm-hmm. So that was with my dad because my dad is what got me into Star Trek. So that was that was a big deal for me. Um, and then I went to non, non-cosplay type stuff. I went to Gen Con back when I, I haven't been since it hasn't been in Wisconsin. I haven't gone since it's been in Indiana. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been to, yeah, I've been to Gen Con several years as both a player and an exhibitor back when I was with my old company, Lasalian Games. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to go to it when it was in Indiana. Um, you know, I've heard mixed things about it. I guess they've gotten better from what I heard the first year that Gen Con moved out to Indiana. It was a disaster uh, because, well, this is a story I heard about why they moved it. Um, from what I understand, uh, the... A company that puts on Gen Con, I think, and on, or it was at the time, they wanted more hotel space closer to the convention center mm-hmm. because they wanted people to be able to stay as close to the convention as possible, which, of course, isn't easy to do when you've got something as large as Gen Con, which I think usually is like about 20-some thousand uh, attendees. 
Uh, and the city of Milwaukee, they just kind of sat on it and sat on it. So Andon wanted to actually move. They actually wanted to get out of their contract early. But, you know, of course, Gen Con brings in millions of dollars to the city um, within, you know, a few, uh, you know, within a few days. So obviously they didn't want to let it go. And by the time the city decided they were going to do something, they're like, okay, sorry, we've already signed the contracts to move it out to uh, Indianapolis. And from what I understand, the first year out there, it was just woefully unprepared. Like, I think it was by Friday, uh, all the ATMs within a few miles of the convention center were out of money. Uh, any sort of fast food restaurant within uh, close proximity to the convention center uh, had run out of food. So it was just a logistics nightmare. But from what I understand, they've, they've gotten better. Um, but like I said, that's just what I've heard from pe other people. I haven't, as I said, I haven't actually been to the Gen Con out in Indianapolis yet. So I can't say what it's like from personal experience, but it was interesting going there as a, con as an exhibitor. Uh, of course, you know, cause there, you don't really have as much of that freedom because, well, when I was with the Salient Games, I did have some freedom at the convention because since there were four people, you know, four or five of us that were there and we had, you know, we only needed like two people in the booth at once. So, you know, we just set up a schedule where we would go, you know, we'd go out for a couple hours and then come back and do a shift at the booth. It's been a little more challenging in the couple conventions I've been on my own uh, as an exhibitor because, you know, most of the time I'm the only one at my booth. Uh, last year when I was at Chaoticon up in Green Bay, you know, Scott, your husband stopped by for a little bit, you know, so it was kind of, it was nice to have uh, him there. But one of the things I have liked about the smaller conventions is there's people that go to several of these conventions a year. So you get to know people and you get to trust them. And it, it's always helpful for, for me anyway, because then that way, if I have to go to the bathroom or if I have to go get something to eat, uh, I usually just ask one of my uh, Connie's, you know, my friends from the convention circuit to watch my booth for a few minutes, and they're always happy to help. Good. So, any, so you said you've been to Gen Con. Mm -hmm. When you were there, were you there mostly to game, or were you there for, um, like... In those I, days, I was gaming. Uh, in those days, I was gaming. I don't game so much anymore. I don't have time, but... Yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm lucky to get my, uh, I currently game usually about twice a month, so I've Usually pretty lucky to get that in. Uh, when so when you were gaming down there, was it mostly D and D? Yeah, just mostly D and D. Yeah, and that's what I mostly did down there as well. Uh, the uh, the you know, one of the the events that I usually like to play was uh, Living City, uh, which is run by RPGA. I'm not sure if they still do it anymore or how it's run. Uh, when I was there, uh, Living City is campaign. That takes place in the Forgotten Realms in the city of Raven's Bluff. And you have these, you know, there's certain rules you make for making your characters. And since I have to, of course, go into a convention story, because uh, I'm, <laughs> sure I'm sure we both have lots of them. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite thing game sessions, when, okay, here's how RPGA uh, Living City events work. When you start, uh, you, you meet in the marshaling area, and they get these groups together. Now, if you're there with friends, it's possible to, you know, go in a group with your friends. And everyone in that time slot is playing the same adventure. And 
however, it is also possible if you don't have a friend that you might end up in a, at a table with complete strangers, which is something that's happened to me more often than not. There was this one adventure I remember. The party had uh, four swashbucklers, a dwarven fighter, an elven ranger, and like an elven diviner. And most of the enemies we were fighting during that adventure were undead. So, yeah, not a cleric among the party. Whoops. But, yeah, the real... Like <laughs> I said, it just kind of happened that way. But the real fun, of course, was the fact that there were four swashbucklers in the party. Now, if you're playing swashbucklers, you have, of course, you have to attract attention to yourself. you got to make sure that you outdo everybody. Um, so the, it was a real fun four hours because, the, you know, like I said, the swashbucklers, we were just trying to outdo each other. And uh, one of my favorite parts is we were... I was on first watch and we were staying at the room on the second floor of an inn and there was a horrible smell coming from the street. So I look and the game master's informing me that there's uh, ghasts attacking people. Now, I, of course, I, uh, I wake up my comrades and now I could go out the door, go down the hallway, go down the stairs and then go out into the street. But of course, I'm a swashbuckler. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> so, of course, I jump out the window rapier and a uh, dagger in hand and of course the other swashbuckle in the party he wasn't going to let me you know upstage him so he says i don't even bother to get my armor or my clothes on butt naked grabs his sword grabs his dagger jumps out the window after me so yeah that was that was like i said a very interesting gaming session well <laughs> why wouldn't you jump butt naked come on oh yeah especially when there's undead of course you gotta <laughs> go after them butt naked right well yeah <laughs> so what about when you were actually playing games? Any game sessions that stuck out in your mind? Oh, at this point, God, it's been so many years, I can't even... Yeah. That's the thing, and I'm trying to remember, because everything now for me is so fresh, like, with, like, more of my... The stuff I do, like, hanging out, like, at Dragon Con and stuff, I'm trying to remember anything from further back is kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah, because the... I know TSR, they always had their huge castle in the center of yeah. the exhibit. That was always fun, and one of the things I I really liked is... They would do the demos inside the inside the castle, and they'd have people that would make these uh, you know, model scenery uh, that you and some of them were really big. I mean, something that would cover you know your average dinner table. Uh, so those were always a lot of fun. I just and, remember being kind of a novelty because there weren't a ton of girls there. That yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> Actually, I never played with a female gamer until Gen Con. I went to Gen Con. <laughs> so, so yeah you're right uh i mean back then female there weren't as many female gamers so i'm sure of course all you had to do was just walk down the mm -hmm. you know the hallways and guys would probably turn head and stare at you right i used to joke that i went to gen con and came home with more stuff than i got there with because <laughs> people would just give me stuff because it was a girl they were like there's a girl here and i'm like yep 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 gamer yep, girls yep. exist <laughs> yep it was kind of like, I don't know if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but like, think Not of Rocket yet, no. Raccoon, I need that. Okay, okay. here you go. <laughs> so, now, another fun thing about conventions is sometimes, well, a lot of times, at least with the bigger ones, mm -hmm. they're going to have celebrity guests. Yes. You know, people that, uh, you know, sometimes, of course, it's just some voice actor that you wouldn't know unless you, you know, watched that particular anime or TV series. And sometimes it's people who are really famous. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've met a couple famous people, uh, during the course of the conventions, um, uh, Ed Greenwood, mm -hmm. uh, one of the, 
uh, early D&D authors, uh, Forgotten Realms, um, had my picture taken with him. So that was pretty cool. He was there dressed as Elminster. Uh, another, uh, Boris Vallejo, uh, the, I remember my friend Dan, now oh, you know Dan, we were, you know, there and we stopped and chatted with him for a few minutes because he was signing autographs and stuff until the people at the booth kind of like, you know, the company kind of chased us off because we weren't paying customers. But they said he was happy to stop and chat with us for a few minutes. Uh, kind of met Lou, Lou Ferrigno. Um, it was before the, because he was there at one of the conventions and, you know, this was before the exhibit hall opened and I was, you know, just sitting at our booth and, you know, there was no, wasn't really anyone else around. He just kind of walked by and just kind of nodded. Hey, how's it going? Um, so yeah, it's amazing how big that guy is and I, he can see why he played the Hulk. <laughs> and then the only other real brush with fame I had, uh, the most recent, uh, convention I went to back in April of last year, uh, Andrew Love was there. Um, he was, he's a voice actor for, uh, several different anime, uh, series. And, you know, he was at the booth next to me and, you know, talked with him a little bit. Really nice guy. Got a chance to play Chippendale's Rescue Rangers with him. So, <laughs> uh, so that was a lot of fun. But I'm sure, of course, I've seen some of the pictures in your house. So uh -huh. I know you've met some much, much more famous people than I have. And we did talk a little bit about it when uh, uh we did the episode on alternate universes. So yeah. Tell us about some of your brushes with fame. Well, some of the ones people. I don't even have pictures of. So let me, let's think of some of the better stories. Because um, the thing is, I just talk to people for fun, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, voice actor-wise, people, you, everybody knows John DiMaggio's voice. Even if you don't know, you yep. know John <laughs> DiMaggio. He's the voice of Bender on Futurama. Um, I went to get an autograph. Because I go to Dragon Con over the weekend of my wedding anniversary. So I always bring something home for Scott. Um, so I was going to go get him John DiMaggio's autograph. And I went up and John was, somebody would give him a big sweaty hug. Because most of those guys, the voice <laughs> actor guys are the friendliest guys you were ever going to meet. Oh, so yeah. he, and he was like doing, and I, I was laughing because he was like, hold on, I got to do my uh, Purell bath. And I said, oh, you don't want the con crud. And he goes, is that what they call it? And I said, <laughs> yes. Um, and by the way, on a podcast, like a month and a half later, he referred to it as the Concord and said somebody at Dragon Con had told him that's what it's called. So I got quoted by John DiMaggio. I'm proud of that. Cool. And uh, I mentioned to him that this was for my husband for our anniversary. And he goes, oh, when's your anniversary? And, and I said, oh, it's September 4th. And he goes, that's my birthday. <laughs> and I said, well, it's my friend Kate's anniversary, too. So I bring Kate over because me and my friend Kate, even though we hadn't met yet, we got married on the same day, same year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's from Wisconsin originally also. So it was really bizarre. But so, yeah, that was an interesting kind of um, meet and greet. Um, and he was cool. Um, Alice Cooper. I know you got your picture. I saw you had your picture taken with him. Um, yes. Because I've heard he's supposed to be a really nice guy. He is such a sweetheart. Here's the thing. Um, we, me and my friend Kate. Kate and Carrie, some of the girls that we room together, we do every year, we do, we call our Sears family portrait, our Sears family celebrity <laughs> portrait. We get the three of us together with someone. This last year it was Carl Urban. Um, and just, he's been in so many things, but the year before it was, I don't know, when we did Alice Cooper two years ago or three years ago. And, uh, we get up there and he goes, Oh, you guys are like the Dixie chicks. That's what he said <laughs> when we got up for the photo. We're like, okay, whatever. And then when on like Monday we were in our, we were handing out lemons. We were doing like, we're life and we're giving everybody lemons, make lemonade kind of a thing on Monday because why not? It was Monday. People were sad. And we're like, hey, Alice Cooper's still here. Why don't 
Kate was going to go get a picture signed. So we went in there, and he goes, it's my Dixie Chicks. And we sat in front of him for like 20 minutes, and he is just a doll. He is just a doll. The fact that he remembered us was what was hilarious. Yeah. And um, that same day, we went, and oh, I gave lemons to Michael Trucco who, and uh, Jamie Bamber, which are Battlestar Galactica people. Michael Trucco is huge. He's like six feet, six foot three, and adorable. And I just walked up to him. Celebrities take candy from me, by the way. They probably shouldn't do that, but they do, and they eat it. <laughs> so I apparently look trustworthy because they take candy from me and they eat it. Oh, they don't know you. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I that same day we went over to talk to. Well, I want. Well, I went to go get Craig Parker's autograph. Now he was on Spartacus. He played Heldier on um, Lord of the Rings, the elf. Um, one of the blonde elves, and um, he hated being in there because he didn't feel he was pretty enough to be part of it. But he's so funny. Now he's currently Lord. Uh, no, sorry. Um, he's uh, Lord Narcisse in Rain on the CW, and I think it's hilarious that he's playing such a a jerk when he's such a sweetheart in real life. So we talked. Yeah, right? we talked to him for like an hour and a half, and next to him was Leslie Ann Brandt, who was also in Spartacus. Both of them were sitting on their tables, not behind them, but on them in the front. And just chatting with us, like, up da 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 just chatting their ears off, eating the candy we were giving them, like, nothing. Craig Parker's telling us where he's going for chicken and waffles. It, like, it was, like, almost <laughs> like it was an invitation. And I'm looking at Kate going, this is really awkward. He should probably not be telling us where he's going for lunch. But it was really weird. And then this year, he was sitting in front of his table again. I walked by, and I said, are you ever behind your table? This was he didn't come last year, so this was two years ago. He goes, it's my, it's my lemon ladies. And I'm like, he remembers us from two <laughs> years ago. That's weird, right? That's, that, that's unusual, right? But he's he's a Kiwi. The New Zealanders have a different personality than the Americans do. So. Yes, and of course, another one I mentioned that I'm jealous you had a chance to meet, uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, oh, he's so British, it hurts. <laughs> oh, he he, was, he crossed his leg. He, here, my sister and I went up to get the picture. He crossed his legs, and he's like, hello, ladies. <laughs> so dainty. But he was so sick, and I felt I was so glad that he stayed for the photos because he didn't have to. He was just, he was so ill, but, um, the other funny one is, um, uh, my friend Rosie, um, was in the, um, Serenity movie. She was an extra in Serenity. Oh, cool. She knows the entire Firefly cast, like, really well. Like, if you look up, there's videos on YouTube where Nathan Fillion is calling her out in the crowd. She knows all of them, and they all know her. Um, so, we were looking for her on the Walk of Fame, which is huge. It's like three ballrooms connected at Dragon Con. And we're like, where's Rosie? We're looking for her. And then all of a sudden we hear Adam Baldwin, Jane, who plays Jane mm-hmm. Cobb. From, a- Jane. <laughs> mm-hmm. from across the ballroom, we hear Rosie! Found her! <laughs> so we go over there. Well, Rosie and our friend um, Susan and our also roommates went out drinking with Adam Baldwin and some other people that evening and came back super drunk <laughs> late, really early in the morning. So Kate and I were less than happy because we had to get up for the parade early and get dressed. And uh, so we decided we were going to go tell Adam Baldwin what for after the parade in our parade costume. <laughs> so we marched down after we were all cha- and told Adam we were going to tell him. we was what, And we we're basically going to just tell Adam Baldwin, you do not send our roommates back to us drunk because we don't care. <laughs> so And he's like, I just provide the temptation. <laughs> he That's blamed it. He blamed it on Anthony Michael Hall. So where did we go next? The guy from uh, 
Yes. Van Halen? No, 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 no. Anthony Michael Hall. Think of Weird Science. Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, oh, that's right. The Van Halen bassist, former Van Halen bassist was Michael Anthony. Yeah. So Anthony. Okay. So, I'm not familiar with him, sorry. Yeah, well, Anthony Michael Hall was in Weird Science. He was in a whole bunch of other stuff. So anyway, so walk down to Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall is actually pretty well known. So we went down to yeah. his booth and we were talking to him and all of a sudden all our roommates show up. And after like, we're talking to Anthony Michael Hall for like ever. And all of a sudden he looks at his hand and he goes, I think I want a picture with these ladies. Now normally we have to pay for these things. Yeah. But he takes his phone and has his, so he has a picture with us on his phone somewhere. He was just so tickled and had fun talking to us. So that was so cool. That's cool. So I was like, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, positive celebrity encounters. because, And I'm sure, of course, at a convention they have to uh, put on the pleasant face. But, you know, I mean, every now and then you hear people have stories where they meet celebrities and they're like, uh, they're, they act like they're above everyone and they, William you know, Shatner. snobbish. Yeah. William <laughs> so Shatner. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's always kind of cool. I mean, of course, um, not being a celebrity, I wouldn't have any insight into it, but it is always nice when, you know, you, you meet someone who's really famous and that you really admire, and it turns out that they're actually real down-to-earth nice people. Mm-hmm. But I look at the time, and we've, uh, a little longer than I thought, but, uh, definitely, uh, enjoy talking and yeah. sharing your experiences with us on, uh, cosplay and, uh, you know, of course, your convention experiences. So, uh, Dawn, you mentioned you had a blog where you've, uh, talked about some of your cosplay. Yeah, I'm starting to put the breakdowns of my cosplay and stuff on there. It's not real full of stuff yet, but it's got at least all the breakdowns of my Hera stuff, so people want to see any of that. It's, um, it's really simple. The website is just geekandcrafty at .wordpress.com, and that's all spelled out. There's no ampersand. It's geekandcrafty.wordpress.com. So, simple. And I'd like to thank you again for joining uh, us on the show today, and... Thank you again to the audience for listening. Please feel free to visit my website, POIGamestudio.com. I do intend to update it. I know I haven't updated it in a while. Uh, also, feel free to uh, look me up and like my page on Facebook. So I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Uh, you probably hear in the background, I've got a little gosh in here who wants outside. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for uh, listening, and have a good evening, and good morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. And happy games. Thanks for joining us, Don. Thanks.